Week 25 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Week 24, by far my best week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please tell a friend, share the podcast. We're growing. We're the fastest growing podcast out there right now, and I really do appreciate it. We're almost at that point where it's going to be great. It's been a crazy week, America. Absolute crazy week. I don't even know how else to describe it. I I was right in the middle of it. You've probably seen the clip of Rudy Giuliani losing his mind because I told him the truth. So we're going to talk about that and some other stuff. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes, Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the Commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. You ever have one of those weeks where um, so much happened that you really don't even know where to start? Um, Impeachment is upon us, America. Let's just start there. Finally, the House of Representatives is moving forward with an impeachment inquiry, and it appears that 224 or 225 at last count members of the House of Representatives, including two Republicans now, one Republican and one former Republican, Support moving forward with an impeachment inquiry or an impeachment in general. President's going to going to be held accountable. Period. Whether or not the Senate removes him, he will be only the third president in the history of this nation to be impeached. Now, I have no faith that uh, Moscow Mitch and his uh, gang of uh, partisan hacks are going to put country over party. They are so afraid of Donald Trump's base. And let's face it, America, Donald Trump's base is not going to believe what they're being told by Donald Trump himself and by Rudy Giuliani and by others in the Trump orbit. They're not going to believe what the president himself has admitted to, which is that the president asked the president of Ukraine to interfere in our election by investigating his political opponent. The president has admitted that. The president released a transcript of his conversation that admits that exact thing. And that will not move his base. So Republicans are right to be afraid of that base because they will take them out if the president asks them to. But I think the president, I think the president was hoping and praying for this, but I think uh, he's going to be now like the dog that caught the car. This is not going to get him reelected. Anybody who thinks it is, is is out of their mind. I'm sorry. Now, the Democrats could still lose this election. Don't, don't, uh, don't you know, take for a minute what I'm saying as 
the Democrats are going to win. No, the Democrats could still lose this election. If we've learned anything about Democrats, they have been able to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory many, many times in many, many uh, years and, and, and a lot in recent memory. Absolutely possible. Pick the wrong candidate, have the wrong message. But let's not even start there. Let's talk about what's happening right now in this country and what's happening with this president right now. Who is every single moment, I mean, every minute of the day, tweeting out his anger at this process, showing his frustration. The difference between Bill Clinton and Donald Trump is that Bill Clinton was disciplined. Bill Clinton could stay on message. Yeah, there, let them do their impeachment. That's nothing. I'm going to do the business of the country. Bill Clinton was excellent at that. He let the Republicans in the House impeach him while proposing legislation and signing legislation with those same Republicans. So he looked like, hey, you know, you guys could have your partisan activity over there. I'm going to go do my thing. This president, incapable of doing that. Incapable of doing that. He will whine. He will complain. He will tweet. And every Republican you talk to privately, of course, will tell you that his biggest fear is what the president says or does on his own. So don't think that this is going to be like the 90s, where you had a guy like Bill Clinton who was able to compartmentalize his rage over the impeachment with his job as president of the United States. Bill Clinton got impeached, and still got things done. You Anybody think that Donald Trump's going to get things done? You think Donald Trump's going to work with Nancy Pelosi, who's impeaching him right now? You think that's going to happen? I, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I wouldn't hold my breath on that at all. He is a crybaby. He is incapable of taking any criticism at all, even the most mild criticism leads to a rage from this guy. So it's amazing to me. Uh, it's amazing to me that anybody thinks that this is going to help him. It's not going to help him. I mean, you've already seen polls that show that more Americans are in favor of impeachment this week than they were last week. And that's only going to go up, including uh, one of the polls had 29% of Republicans in favor of an impeachment inquiry. That's That was a surprising statistic to me, which I... I want to see repeated in several polls before I believe it. But it was a crazy week. It was a crazy week for me, America. And I know a lot of you uh, tuned in for the first time to the Chris Hahn podcast, the, the Aggressive Progressive podcast with Chris Hahn. Um, and I appreciate you very much. Um, my week started off on Monday when I got into a fight on national television with a guy named Michael Knowles who thought it was a good idea to, uh, and, you know, we were supposed to talk about Meatless Monday. And he thought it was a good idea to attack Greta Thornton, who I'm trying to say her name right, a 16-year-old Swedish girl who sailed across the ocean in a zero-emissions boat. And rather than talk about the substance of her issue, Michael Knowles decided to call Greta a mentally ill Swedish child. And I lost it on Michael Knowles on national television. Lost it. Called him skinny boy. And there's a funny story behind that. But it's it's a... Uh, this is their tactic, America. Before I go into the skinny boy story, I'll, I'll tell you. This is their tactic. Michael Knowles could have 
disagreed with Greta without trying to make her less than, right? He could have disagreed with the policies she's proposing. I mean, he went to Yale and she's 16 years old. You'd think he'd have an argument or two that might uh, hold water against her. But he decided instead to criticize her personally, to use an ad hominem attack on her, to demonize her, to make her less than. This is what conservatives do. They do not have answers for the problems that are facing America right now. So what they want to do is they want to demonize. They say everything that any Democrat does now is socialism, right? I can think of nothing that is more socialist in this world right now than giving money to farmers for crops that they can't sell because the president made a bad deal with China. And that's what we're doing right now. Isn't that socialism, Mr. President? Rudy Giuliani? Michael Knowles? But they're going to call people wanting to give health care or really have a realistic approach to health care so that everybody is either paying into the system or covered by the system so we don't have people showing up in emergency rooms for things they could go to a clinic for, which costs four times as much and the taxpayers pay for anyway, but you know they don't want to go there. No, they don't have solutions. So like Michael Knowles did with Greta, they'll name call. We have to push back hard every single time they do it. And I promise you that I will be there doing that as often as I am allowed to. As often as I am invited on these shows, I will push back. I will push back on this podcast. I will push back on my radio show. I will push back. And I want you to join me in pushing back. Don't let them call us names. Don't let them do it. Ask them always, what is your solution to the problem? Michael Knowles had no solutions for global warming. He's smart enough, having graduated from Yale, to know that global warming's real. He said, if it was real, it would be led by scientists. Michael, 99.9% of, sci- of, of scientists have said that this is a problem. They've actually had their own marches. What a dumb thing to say. And even worse, to attack a child like that on national television, a grown man. So I'm glad that I had a visceral reaction and shot him down. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, that it worked out the way it did. I think that most of America shot him down. Most of the world shot. I mean, this thing went around the world. I got, you know, for those of you who are new to this podcast and new to following me, I have been going on Fox News for 10 years. I have been in television most of my life. I've worked for Senator Schumer. You know that. You know, I've had, you know, I've been on Fox, though, in the Twitter era. And after 10 years on Fox, I had um, 5,500 followers on Twitter, and they were mostly conservatives who hated my guts. Now, thanks to that clip with Mike, I have almost 20,000, and most of you agree with me. So welcome aboard. Thank you. Please tell a friend about this podcast and tweet about this podcast and tweet at me, at Christopher Hahn. I really appreciate it. So the other big story in my life this week, the one that got even more attention than Greta, was my run-in with Rudy. I I don't know how else to put it. Um So I'm on television and I'm debating, I think, Andrew McCarthy, who's, you know, conservative, but a very low-key, decent human being. But let me tell you how this went down, okay? 
Uh, I was told by the producers of uh, Ingram, the Ingram angle, hey, a lot of breaking news tonight. Uh, be prepared to sit around for the entire hour. We're going to definitely take you probably in the A block. You know, get ready. Be ready. A lot happening. Rudy Giuliani's on the show. Everything's breaking. We love having you on. Thank you for coming on. So I was supposed to go on earlier in the show, but my camera froze in my house. Uh, I, have a, I have a studio in my basement. And my camera froze. So the camera got fixed right as the show was starting. So they had rearranged things and they were going to put me on in the B block after Rudy Giuliani spoke in the A block. Rudy Giuliani during the A block said that he was sent to the Ukraine for the first time. He said he was sent to the Ukraine at the request of the State Department. Now that caught my attention. I, of course, while I'm in the chair, am yelling at my monitor listening to Rudy Giuliani in my earpiece. I'm yelling at my monitor saying, what? What's going on? And I literally yell out so that every, you know, I know the producers are listening to me, right? So I yell out, I want to debate Rudy Giuliani. I want to debate Rudy Giuliani. I don't know if they heard me or not. I think they did. Next segment comes on. I'm debating Andrew McCarthy, who's a very decent human being. Um, And I am doing my aggressive progressive and I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about how uh, I don't know how uh, anybody could accept the fact that the president sent his personal attorney to the Ukraine. And I, I don't understand. I want to understand how the State Department's involved now. Well, Laura Ingram brings Rudy Giuliani back. And he lost his marbles. He lost it. He started calling me a liar, said he was going to sue me for libel. Uh, you know, Exhibit A, America, would have been the prior segment when Rudy Giuliani said the exact thing that I had said back to him. Said he was going to sue me for libel, for saying what he just said. See, this is their tactic to scare you. Don't be afraid, America. Stand up to bullies. Stand up to these people. They are just classic bullies. Using these tactics of fear and smear. I'm not letting them do that to me. I'm not letting them do that to me. Don't let them do that to you. But he lost it. He absolutely lost his mind, lost his cool. I felt bad for him. You know, if you watch that clip, I say how, look, I used to admire you. When I worked for Senator Schumer, those of you who've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know, I did a show uh, about two or three weeks ago about September 11th. And I talked about having worked for Senator Schumer during September 11th. And watching Giuliani, Pataki, and even people from the Bush administration all pull together to bring New York back after 9-11. And Rudy was a leader then. And you might not like his policies. I don't like his policies. I didn't like some of the policies he's had as mayor. But he did a great job after 9-11 and, and really had us all with him. You know, even if we wouldn't vote for him for president, we had a lot of respect for him. And I run into Rudy Giuliani from time to times in New York, especially at Yankee games and playoffs this week. And I'm probably going to run into him. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> it's going to be real awkward, man. Going to be real awkward. Uh, but uh, um, I had a lot of respect for him. And I said to him at the end of that segment on the air, you're ruining your legacy, sir. Stop. I was trying to help him. I was trying to back him down. And he would not stop. He had lost it so much that even in the face of me saying those kind words to him, he had to call me a moron or say he never had respect. For him. I don't know what he did. Anyway, that clip went around the world. Uh, was on the Jimmy Fallon show. It was on um, Saturday Night Live. Not Jimmy Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Saturday Night Live. Every single news show played it. Um, 
I didn't get any Twitter follows out of it, though, because I wasn't tagged properly. It was more about Rudy. <laughs> so it is what it is. I mean, it, it's fine. I'm happy to have uh, the success I had this week. And I really, everybody who followed me and, and joined this podcast, I really appreciate it. I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it. So let me just close. You know, I forgot to, and I got a great show here. I got uh, Janet Johnson, who I call my political soul sister. She was on my radio show uh, last week, so I'm going to play her interview. And I got Sarah Burris from Raw Story. I'm going to play her interview too. Uh, I'll probably play uh, Sarah first and then Janet uh, right after the break. But let me just tell a quick story about how I came up with Skinny Boy. So um, I was, I, you know, I was a little disappointed that I wasn't in the A block in the seven o'clock hour on Fox to talk about the whistleblower on Monday. And instead, they give me this topic, Meatless Monday, which I thought was kind of like, come on, guys, you know, the conservatives are going mad because somebody wants Meatless Monday. So I'm thinking about shtick, right? And I'm thinking, all right, Meatless Monday, if it was good enough for the Pope in the 12th century, why isn't it good enough for us? I would say, you know, I want, and I also want to say, you know, look, I've, I've been all over this country and we could all use to lose a couple pounds. So maybe taking a day off from eating the meat wouldn't be such a bad idea. But I wanted to make sure I didn't know Michael Knowles. I still have never met Michael Knowles. Um, I wanted to make sure that Michael Knowles wasn't heavy. I didn't want to be seen as fat shaming Michael Knowles. I didn't know him. So they teased us before uh, we came on. And I looked into my monitor and I saw him. And I said, oh, good. He's skinny. So when he cut me off, when I was really scolding him about, you know, him denigrating Greta that way, I... I had skinny in my head, so I called him skinny boy. Kind of stupid, right? I mean, I've never said that to anybody ever. And um, that will be in uh, Michael Knowles' Wikipedia page if it's not there already. Uh, and he'll be known as skinny boy forever. I guess there's worse things you could be known as. Uh, but it is, it is I, I wish, look, I don't like name calling. Um. And I said, settle down, skinny boy. I've got this because I was talking and he was trying to stop me from talking after I let him talk for a minute and let him spew lies for a minute. And I was cutting him off from cutting me off. And I wish I wouldn't have called him a name, but I did. And uh, I, you know, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, you got him. I, I got him. I, you know, I responded the way he needed to be responded to America but I, I don't feel the need to call people names. So if there's one thing I regret is calling him a name. I don't regret saying he was wrong for doing it. I don't regret saying it was despicable what he did because it was. And I think it's despicable whenever conservatives, rather than take on the issues, attack the character of the people that are presenting the issues. You see it every single day. Look. Look closely, America. That's what they're doing. That's their tactic because they can't win with ideas. Their ideas are not popular ideas with the American people. Their ideas are very much unpopular. So they've got to demonize and divide. And that's the only way they could win in this election coming up or ever because there's not enough of them. They got to make Democrats and independents doubt themselves. They have to make you afraid of whoever is being put up against them. Otherwise, they lose every single time. Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. All right. I got a great show coming up, and I'll be back to wrap it up at the end. 
I really do appreciate you listening to me today. Thanks again. I'll be right back with uh, Sarah Burris from Raw Story. Hold on. Joining me now, she is a good friend of the show, Sarah Burris. She is a media reporter with Raw Story. Uh, Sarah, how you doing? What's up? What a heck of a week. I had a hell of a week, and I want to talk to you about it because uh, you cover the media and I've never gone viral like this. It's been fun. I've gotten a lot of attention. I got a lot of new followers on Twitter, including some very famous ones, uh, which which is great. Uh, and they've tweeted at me. I'm like, whoa. Some of them have DM'd me. <laughs> it's like, wow, I got hey. famous people DMing me. Famous people that are not politicians. You know, I get a lot of politicians that are famous DMing me, but I don't get a lot of famous, like, entertainers and rock stars and crazy. It's been, been a crazy week. So, um uh, so I, I don't know how this works sometimes, right? I, 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 the Greta thing that I did on Monday got me tons of Twitter followers. The Rudy Giuliani thing, which I think was even bigger, uh, got me none. <laughs> so it's- which I, I'm not surprised by. I think when something goes viral on the internet, I think people are you know, more apt to click on stuff and, and be like, who's that guy? I, I want to figure out that guy and follow that dude. Uh, when people see Rudy Giuliani just screaming, shut up, shut up on TV, I feel like they click off. Yeah, 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 that is that is definitely the case, right? That is definitely the case. I, I, I think that's true. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. It, but they, it got played everywhere. I mean, it was on Jimmy Kimmel. I've never been on I've never been on Jimmy Kimmel, you know, <laughs> which is awesome. It, it, I mean, he's a cool guy. That guy. He is a cool guy. And I enjoy his show. I enjoy his comedy. I enjoy him particularly. I know I'm not supposed to say this because I'm on terrestrial radio, but I, I particularly enjoy him on, on Howard Stern. <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> really, really good on Howard Stern. And it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting week. And uh I don't know, man. I, I like I said, I just I just did a bit about this whole Greta Thornburg thing. I think that it's indicative. You know what what uh, what Mike Knowles said is pretty much the Republican game plan, which mm-hmm. is you can't win on the facts, so denigrate your opponent. And that's what Absolutely. Rudy Giuliani was doing to me. He was trying to call me a moron because I had him dead to rights. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's part of what Trump's deal has been. Ever since he got into politics, you know, he pulled Hillary Clinton down to his level. He uh, he's trying to do that with all of the the Democratic uh, candidates for 2020. He's like, you know, my his negatives are just so low that the only way that he can succeed is by pulling everybody down with him. So, you know, this is what we're going to be dealing with now is scraping the bottom of the barrel for White House talking points 
and um, trying to limbo under something that we can hardly even see. It's so low. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, this, though, I, I feel hopeful today. I really do. I think that I think that this impeachment's going to bring him down because not so much because he's going to lose for impeachment. I don't I don't know that he'll be removed. But he's not going to be able to stay quiet during impeachment, and he's very uh-huh. self-incriminating. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah, and he can't help himself. And I, and I think too, he's going to take down a heck of a lot of senators with him. Yeah, um, that is the most important thing for me in this election because I think we could totally crush it on the presidential. But when we talk about the U.S. Senate, you know, a lot of these senators, I think a couple of them we can definitely take out. I'm looking at you up there in Maine. Yeah, Susan Collins, you got to go. Susan Collins, you got to go. Sorry. Yeah. But I I think that there are a couple of people where if it becomes incredibly obvious that they are um, are, are basically just working their own special interests and they're ignoring the facts and you've got half of the country being like, this is incredibly obvious. What the hell are you doing? Right. Um, I think it's it's easy then to hit them in their home states and be like they're putting party before country. And that's not the way it works you know, in the American government. It's been said a lot this week. The Constitution anticipated a rogue president. They did not anticipate rogue political parties that would just kowtow to that rogue president. And I Mm -hmm. I keep asking, like, you know, why are some of these guys even in office? You know, I've been saying it about Mitt Romney, and and to his credit, the last couple days has, has, you know, been, been, been somewhat critical. I mean, if not, you know, I wouldn't say totally critical, but he has at least said he's troubled by it which is yeah. a start. You know, if you're troubled already, wait till all the evidence come out and then say you're not, say this is enough. Uh, you know, that right there gets you almost, you know, he, he, I, I don't think you got to get a full impeachment in the Senate. I think you just got to get a majority of senators voting to impeach and you got a real problem for him. Yeah, I think too, you've got, um, if you can get some, some senators who are, I, I would say among the top six, that are up for re-election, if you can get them to, um, you know, put them between a rock and a hard place, that's even better. Because yeah. they think um, either they vote to impeach Trump and he decides he's going to go after them and take them down for us. Uh, or, you know, they don't vote to impeach and their voters take them down. Poor so. Corey, poor Cory Gardner. He's so dead. <laughs> right. I mean, like, is there any way Cory Gardner in Colorado? I mean, first of all, he's running against John Hickenlooper, who I love uh, and uh, and is very popular in Colorado. So he's probably going to lose anyway, but yeah. he's going to have to vote to impeach. Right. I mean, how is he or, or he's not or he's going to vote not to impeach and he's really going to be dead. I mean, it, it's it. I, the poor guy. I feel so bad for him. I, I don't feel bad for him, actually. I, I'm actually really right? happy. Good riddance, Cory Gardner. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, and I just imagine all of the rallies that Trump would hold attacking Cory Gardner. Um, oh, my God. He'll go to Colorado crisis. and campaign for Hickenlooper. <laughs> yeah, or or even better, like the um, if, if Cory Gardner comes out against impeachment before a primary then that could be glorious. Then oh. Trump's going to go and work for his opponent. Um, and I and I don't know if a right-wing crazy nut bar would win the primary in Colorado. I'm not sure what that Republican Party looks like. I mean, obviously in Colorado Springs, it's a little wacky, but yeah. I don't know what the rest of the state looks like. I, um, I, I think that that state is pretty wacky when it comes. I think, look, it, it, if, if you are a 
Republican in Colorado, which is a pretty you we've both been to Colorado. I, you've been to Colorado, I'm sure, right? Oh, tons. I have friends who live there, so I go there like three times a year. There are some major liberal enclaves in Colorado. Most of the population of Colorado, where they're, you know, Denver, Boulder, they are really liberal places. You know, Boulder is probably. I would say of Denver. I got to think. All of that outskirts. I live in, I live in New York and I've spent a lot of time in New York City. Boulder, Colorado makes New York City look like Arkansas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's that liberal. I love Boulder. It's that liberal, right? So if you're a conservative in that part of the world, you're really committed to it, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's some wackadoos out there. And I thought Cory Gardner was the original wackadoo that, you know, primaried and, and got the seat. Um, so I think he's in big trouble. And he's going to lose either way. But he's I, you're right. That vote's got to come before the primaries in the Senate. Mm-hmm. They got to put the Senate on notice before the primaries. So some of these guys have a tough choice and really put it to them. Yeah, it'll absolutely happen. Um, I mean, it, I'd have to take a look at where some of those primaries, you know, when they are. But I mean, even especially looking at um, I mean, I was even looking at Mitch McConnell. Um, I mean, he's got two opponents. Um, the progressive in that race is actually really amazing. Um, it's not the, the woman that everybody loved the ad about, but you know, he's a cool guy. Um, but I think, you know, I, I really would love to see presidential candidates really step up and, and go to Kentucky and make a pitch for voters, even though it's probably not going to go blue, you know, for a very, 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 very long time for the presidential race. But I think if you show people, if you show Democrats in that state, look, we're behind y'all. You know, if you step up and and fight back against, um, you know, Moscow Mitch, we're with you. And I think that could really empower people. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be, you know, just Bernie Sanders or just Elizabeth Warren. I think every single candidate who's running, who's still running, should just be like, you know what, we're going to do this for the team because that's, you know, what we what we do for Democrats. I agree. Uh, I think that should I would should happen. And I think they should do it for a bunch of those states, you know? I mean, this should be like all hands on deck kind of a deal. This is the election of our lifetime, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the election really of, I, I think, the most important election ever. I, I, I can't think of, I mean, maybe the election of Lincoln. I mean, it is, this country is on the verge of breaking apart, if you ask me. This president has no regard for the rule of law, Um we have a, a rogue political party that will still be a rogue political party, even if the Democrat gets elected Senate uh, to, to the presidency. And it, even if they take over the majority of the Senate, there is a you know, there's a need for us to really put them on defense in some of the states that they think they own, like Texas, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, like Kentucky, like Indiana. We got to put them on defense in those states because we've won those states before and in recent history. So why not try again? I agree with you 100 percent there. I think this goes back to the 50 state strategy. That was one of the greatest things that the party, Democratic Party, ever did um, is say no race is going to go unchallenged. No congressional seat is going to go unchallenged. We're going to do whatever it takes um, and find as many people to run in as many places as possible. And then I think you build a bench. You know, it's a lot easier to build um, to get legislative candidates that way and to put people in in state, you know, city council races after that big federal race is over. There's so much opportunity there. And, you know, if we keep doing stuff like that, then it's helpful to the party. If we just sort of like, 
you know, assume that the DNC is only about the presidential campaign, then it's just such a huge waste of time. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about how the media, because you are Sarah Burris, by the way, is a great media reporter. She works for Raw Story, uh, reader stuff, follow her on Twitter. You're at Sarah Burris on, on Twitter, correct? Yes. And uh, you see her, you read her stuff in Raw Story. I mean, you write what, like 15 times a day? I, I see your posts all day. So she, <laughs> she writes 15 times a day. She's always writing Sometimes. something. And she's fantastic. She's a, she's a fantastic writer, a fantastic journalist. Um, so the media is covering, um, I think they're doing a better job today than they were like last week in covering this. When last week it was like, well, Joe Biden might be in trouble because the president's lying about him. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that, I don't think the president lying about Joe Biden is actually hurting Joe Biden. I think it's going to help him in the polls, frankly. Uh, yeah, how, I think so too. <laughs> how, how do you think this, I, I mean, it's, I, I hadn't been for Joe Biden, but now I'm like, Hey, stop picking on Joe Biden. <laughs> you know, like, I know. Right. It's this, this weird sort of thing where it's just like, hey, now, if, if you don't like him, if you think he's an asshole, that's fine. But he's ours. Yeah, so he's our guy. Away. He's our guy. But it, it's a it's too. So it's a it's it it's interesting to me how they're covering. I would love to get your take on, you know, what you've been seeing. Now, obviously, Fox News has been pretty good at bringing on very aggressive progressives to fight with uh, major political figures, <laughs> I could say. Uh, uh, but what, what's your take on it? Give me, give, me your, give me your opinion. You know, it seems like most of the Republican um, pundits, like people like Rick Santorum, the famous people who, who always are apologizing for the president, um, it, they seem lost. You know, like they they seem like the talking points that they're trying to peddle are just so absurd. I mean, even last night I saw I think it was Anderson Cooper with um, with Rick Santorum whenever even Anderson Cooper was like, oh, come on, Rick. You know, yeah. I mean, at one point he was just like, this is absurd, even for even for you. Um, and like, why does he even do it? Like, I don't understand. Like, what is he getting out of it? It's crazy. I, it is just one humiliation after another. I just wonder if he, if that's his shtick now, if he's just going to humiliate himself on national television for our enjoyment, which is fine. I'm cool with that. Like any day that Rick Santorum is going to act like an idiot is a good day. The first, um, the first but, time I ever went crazy on on uh, television, uh, I was debating Rick Santorum, and it was two months after he had lost his Senate election. Ouch. <laughs> maybe maybe six months after he lost his Senate election. And it was pretty painful for him. I, uh, it was pretty bad. I was on a show. I, I don't know if I was on Lou Dobbs or if I was on. The, there was a show that used to be called America's Nightly Scorecard, and I was in studio and he was remote. And I, at one point, I just I went on a tirade, and I and I, at the end of it, I said, "And that's why the people of Pennsylvania sent you home, Rick." Oh yes, nice. <laughs> and he just you saw his face just sink. It was before oh. Raw Story. It might have even been before Twitter. By the way, it was a while ago. It was like nine years ago, and uh, and and he it was it was pretty pretty. He was just he was talking points. I'm like, why do you care, man? You're not in the Senate anymore. Why are you defending these guys? Stop. And you know the the poetic justice of all of this is that I remember all of these people covering you know when Hillary Clinton had the flu and um you know and was like wobbly and and almost collapsed at the 9-11 ceremony and everybody was like oh my god she's dying and then the conspiracy theories came out and now you get to see all of these same reporters and same uh pundits get on tv and say 
oh my God, Trump looked so defeated yeah. when he was giving that speech. Yeah. And that was just beautiful. He I was mean, so watching, defeated. He looked so defeated. He was so sad. And um, I mean, you've got to know that, that Jeb Bush is like, hey, low energy now. Who's, yeah, who's, who's low energy now? That? Now that you're like, you know, they got you on Xanax because you got to calm down and go out there. It's like crazy. <laughs> absolute nonsense that was going on out there insane i will say this about rick santorum you probably don't remember this but when rick santorum won iowa and i guess it was 2012 Mm -hmm. he waited till two o'clock in the morning when it was official that he won iowa to give his victory speech it is one of the best political speeches i have ever seen in my life and really? had Rick Santorin given that speech and just, you know, at 10 o'clock, it was very clear that it was neck and neck, that it was he was either going to win or come in close second. He could have done a Bill Clinton, just gone out there and claimed victory at 10 o'clock. Yeah, totally. And that speech that he gave, which was a great political speech and, and great, and it was delivered perfectly. He might have been the Republican nominee. He might have became president because he was a, wow. he would have been a better candidate than Mitt Romney, I think, that year. Cause it, and the, now the, he's just known as squishy fecal matter. Yeah, now so. he's just like pushing, you know, ridiculous watered down Republican talking points on CNN. And it's it's just it's nonsense to me. I, I And he's not even good at that. No, I he's mean, horrible at it. He's horrible at it. And it's uh, it, it's pitiful. it's it's amazing to me that he still does it. I would think that he'd have some respect for the Constitution. Like all these guys, they claim this con- like Ted Cruz, Sarah. Yeah. This is a guy who ran and was all about the Constitution. All these guys, they, they carry the Constitution in their pocket. OK, where in the Constitution is it OK for a president to commit extortion in the Oval Office? Like, yeah, it's pretty clear. Like the Constitution outlines it very clearly what the high crimes are. And it surprises me that all of these so-called constitutional conservatives that, you know, sleep with their constitution under their pillow every night are still um, still don't seem to know what's actually in it. Yeah. Yeah. Bribery is one of the crimes in the Constitution you could be impeached for. And now I get it that the president was actually the guy doing the bribing, which is odd. (laughs) But but it was it is one of the crimes in the Constitution. It's it's absolutely crazy. So. All right. So in the few minutes I have left with you. Give me just your basic rundown of of who you think's doing a good job covering it, who you think's going, you know, nuts on this. Um, I think honest to God, the um the panel of a billion people at CNN has been really good. Uh I like it whenever they bring on folks that are uh that are from the intelligence community. Yeah. Um I feel like that they can give a little bit more context and I love people who are at least quirky and funny about it, you know, who can keep me awake whenever I'm watching this stuff. Um, So I appreciate those folks on CNN doing that. I think the commentators, some of the, um, the uh, former federal prosecutors like Jill Weinbanks and Barbara McQuaid and, and Joyce Vance, those folks on MSNBC have been incredible as well. Yeah. Uh, I love Jill Weinbanks. I've had her on the show a couple times. She's fantastic. She is. And she is so brilliant. And one of the things I would say that, that she's the best about on this stuff is, you know, she has the historic context of Watergate, but at the same time, she also works as a, uh, a prosecutor for the mob. Wow. So a lot of these like bribery law things, like she knows her stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, stay tuned to her for commentary on some of this because she understands, you know, a broad spectrum of this issue. Yeah. I feel like MSNBC doesn't use her enough. You know, I think she yeah, should be on right. every night. And I don't understand why they don't use her. I mean, she she's look, she was involved with Watergate. 
she took yeah. the files out in her bag so they wouldn't be destroyed. I mean, yeah. that's she's a historic person. It's crazy to me. Oh, yeah. She's brilliant, and and thank goodness she's still on TV and, and willing to tell us what the hell's going on and explain to us to well, us. I love her. And Sarah, we love you here at the Chris Hahn Show. Uh, where oh, are you going to be? What do you want people to know about you? Where can they find your stuff? Ah, you can find my stuff at rawstory.com. And I'm always making silly, crazy jokes on Twitter in between tweeting out actual information that's important. Um, I don't know if you saw the spaghetti map for the for the new hurricane that's coming up. It looks like it's probably going to hit Alabama. Y'all. Oh, no. Alabama, take cover. <laughs> it's coming. It it also might also uh, uh, hit like 50 other states. There you so. go. There you go. Well, Sarah Burris, <laughs> thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate you calling into the show tonight. That's Sarah Burris. She's great. Check her out on Raw Story. Raw Story, man. They cover the media. They cover it well. She's great. All right. I'll be right back with my political soul sister, Janet Johnson. Stay where you're at. So I... Uh, I thought I was going to bring you Janet Johnson from HLN, but uh, I had a technical problem that could not be resolved. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait till the next time I have Janet on the show. I call her my political soul sister because we, we've never met, actually. We've uh, done a lot of television radio together, but we've never actually met, and our political views are strikingly similar. We've got a lot in common. We're both lawyers. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. But it, look, it's it, it was a heck of a week. We've got a heck of a week ahead. And uh, there'll be a lot more to talk about right here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. You can go to my website, ChristopherHahn.com. I, uh, I don't know what this week's going to bring. I, I know that there will be a hearing later in the week uh, before the House Intelligence Committee featuring former special envoy to the Ukraine, uh, Mr. Volker, who resigned on Friday night amidst all of this craziness with Giuliani holding up texts from Volker asking him to talk about Ukraine. I mean, it's bizarre. And, And seeing these guys try to wrap themselves into pretzels to try to make excuses for what's going on here is... It, it would be comical if it wasn't so tragic for the nation, right? I mean, it, it's tragic for the nation. And that's in and of itself the problem that we have to deal with here in America for the next couple of months. Uh, I don't call it a constitutional crisis because the Constitution has a process for this and we're following it. So let's hope that this process bears itself out and everybody does what they're supposed to do at the end of it. Whether that means the president is um, you know, convicted in the Senate and asked to leave, and let's hope he leaves or whether he resigns before it comes to that, or if he's acquitted, we have an election and it's a fair and free election. At the end of that election, the results are honored by everybody. So uh, now it's time for me to remind you, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. Seek the truth, it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.